the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity, a radio show and podcast about real faith for the real world. I'm Richard Mendelo, and as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelo. I just love that name, and I'm so glad to be here. Hi, everyone. It's August, and as a community, we're preparing to send our children back to school. Certainly, their welfare is at the forefront of all of our minds. My kids are long since out of school, and it's at the forefront of my mind. I'm picturing the world from their perspective and thinking that it must be a confusing and bizarre place. And sadly, by what we have permitted, we've made it more so. As a Christian and a colonel recently retired from the Marines, I often reflect on how I'm helping to prepare children for the spiritual battlefield. I can't think of anything more important. And to do this well, I have to be the person I'm supposed to be, and I have to help others to be the people they're supposed to be. And my hope with today's show is to offer a tangible plan to that end. I don't want to admire our problems. I don't want to talk about the problems. I want to identify the opportunity that we have as Christians to shine light into this dark world, and especially at this time to prepare our children as they go back to school. So on last week's show, we talked about lazy faith, and I quoted A.W. Tozer when he said, God wants to deliver us from the easygoing, smooth and silky, fat and comfortable Christianity so fashionable today. I hope we're willing to let the truth get hold of us, even at the cost of rejection or embarrassment. And you can always count on Tozer to call it like he sees it. Oh, yeah, you can. (laughs) So I hope you'll keep this quote in your mind as we talk about today's topic. It's a difficult subject, but as I see it, Whatever the devil throws at us can be used for good if it wakes us up from spiritual complacency and if it causes us to act with intention and strength as individuals and a community. Again, we're not admiring problems. We're Christians. And so this conversation is a wake-up call. David Clawson joins us today to talk about the current gender debate and his new book called Male and Female, He Created Them. David serves as the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at the Family Research Council in Washington, D.C., and there he researches and writes on life, human sexuality, religious liberty, and related issues, all from a biblical worldview. David, welcome. Hey, well, thank you so much. Greetings from Washington, D.C., and it's a joy to be on the program today. It's a joy to hear somebody from Washington, D.C. speaking about faith. 
Oh, goodness, that's for sure. David, uh, thanks for being with us. We are um, just really looking forward to this conversation and your perspective. Amen. Before we get started, everybody, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray today for our children as we prepare to send them back to school in what can often be a challenging environment. We pray that you would bless them and keep them from harm. We know the world will try to lead them astray and that by creating Christian homes, we can keep them centered on the narrow road which leads to you. Help us, Lord, to focus on that. Help us as husbands and wives, as parents, and as members of the body of Christ to know biblical truth, to live it, and to teach it to our children. Help us to come together as a community to defend them from those who use children as pawns. And finally, Lord, we ask that you help us to teach them compassion for those who are lost and struggling, that your will be done in and through us. May all we say and do be glorifying unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So, David, uh, what a wonderful opportunity we have uh, to speak about a difficult topic. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So like you said, I serve uh, at the Family Research Council of Washington, D.C. FRC uh, was actually founded in 1983, so this is our 40th anniversary. Uh, We're an organization here in Washington, D.C. that uh, works on policy-related issues uh, with the family. So life, religious freedom, uh, issues pertaining to sexuality, those are kind of all issues that we seek to address from a biblical worldview. And so uh, my background um, but was born and raised in Orlando, uh, felt the call into ministry, so I actually went to Southern Seminary in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, got a couple of degrees there, and then uh, joined the team, actually, at Family Research Council in 2018, uh, doing research, writing, speaking on the, kind of the day's issues uh, from a biblical perspective. And in 2021, uh, we launched our Center for Biblical Worldview, uh, with the purpose of being even more intentional, of coming alongside uh, Christian parents and pastors, uh, whatever the day's issue is, whether it's the life issue uh, with the Dobbs decision last year, a lot of us are trying to think faithfully about that issue, or obviously the issues that we're going to talk about today, issues related to uh, sexuality and gender identity. How, how do we think about those uh, through the lens of God's Word? And so that's what I do. I'm, I'm actually speaking to you guys live from my home church, uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, a congregation of about just over 700 members. Uh, and we meet just a couple blocks behind the Supreme Court. So I always like to tell people that the Lord always has his remnant. And uh, there's a faithful Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church uh, that a lot of folks who work in the government actually are members. Uh, so again, the Lord always has a remnant. So again, Joy to be on the program with you guys today. Okay, so I guess I have to take back my little joke about good to hear somebody speaking about faith out of D.C. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Uh, there are a lot of wonderful, faithful people in D.C. Well, and David mentioned something about you know the lens of faith, and we ta- often talk about the lenses that we have on and how we look at the world, and I love that they say biblical worldview, and so... You know, maybe you just need to put on those different lenses and see. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's easy to have opinions. Right. Uh, the world is full of opinions. And uh, <laughs> David, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the show. I had this epiphany. I said, I'm not really interested in the opinions of the world. And then I, I thought, come to think about it, I'm not interested in my own opinion. 
I'm only mm. interested in Jesus' opinion. Amen. And so uh, I love the fact that your organization is looking at these issues with which we must contend because we live in the real world. So we must contend with these issues, but at the same time, we must do so through the lens of faith. And I love that David also said that these are intentional um, the, we're looking at it from an intentional perspective and with a faith view. So I just love that word intentional. Yeah, very well, you're, important. You're, you're right about that, Christy, because if we aren't intentional about the lens through which we look at things, we will still nevertheless look at the issues of the day through a lens. Right. Uh, every, everybody has a worldview, which is essentially just kind of a fundamental uh, perspective through which you look at the world. Um, and one of the reasons we actually launched our Center for Biblical Worldview is because uh, George Barna did a massive study uh, gauging the worldview of Americans, and uh, about 51% of Americans uh, told pollsters they thought they had a biblical worldview, uh, but then when you measured it uh, for beliefs and practices, uh, George developed 54 questions, and you had to score 80% or higher to be considered someone with a biblical worldview in both beliefs and practices. And uh, when you measured it, uh, only 6% of Americans actually qualifies those who have a biblical worldview. And if I may add one other statistic in there, we actually took that poll into evangelical churches around the country, uh, 81% of whom told us they thought they had a biblical worldview, but when you measured it for beliefs and practices, it was actually 21%. So that's obviously higher than the world's 6%, but I don't know many pastors that would be happy that only one out of every five people in the pew on a Sunday morning uh, fundamentally approaches life through the lens of Scripture. So again, that's why it's so important to go back to basics uh, and to kind of make sure we're cultivating that biblical worldview in our homes and in our churches. Why do so many people think they have a biblical worldview but actually don't? I think fundamentally it speaks to uh, the biblical illiteracy uh, that obviously plagues the culture but plagues the churches as well. I think uh, there is a lack of understanding of basic Christian doctrine. So when you look at some of those questions that George is asking to determine whether you have a biblical worldview, these are questions such as, uh, is um, the Holy Spirit a person or merely just a force? Uh, is Jesus uh, truly God? Is the Bible the reliable, authoritative Word of God? or merely a holy book that we can kind of take or leave and get some instruction from. And so when you actually kind of filter through uh, some of the other questions, you know, is all human life sacred? Uh, is the goal of human life obedience uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are there other goals uh, that are maybe a little bit more important, uh, such as providing for our family or things like that, which might not be a bad thing, but what's the overarching goal? And, and those are the questions that a lot of people get wrong, uh, which show us that they really haven't been rooted deeply into the biblical meta narrative into which Scripture speaks about all of life. And and why is it so important to be in that biblical narrative? Well, at the end of the day, as a Christian, I believe the Bible uh, tells a true story. Um, you know, all, all worldviews, I argue, have, uh, answer basically four basic questions. Uh, why is there something rather than nothing? Uh, what's gone wrong in the world? Is there any hope? And kind of where is everything headed? And my perspective is that Christianity is the only worldview that offers the right answers to those questions. 
uh, we answer that with the biblical meta narrative: creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Uh, you know why? Why is there something rather than nothing? Well, Genesis one and two tells us why. Uh, that second question: uh, What's gone wrong in the world? Well, guess what? Genesis three answers that question too. Uh, is there any hope for the world? Well, yes, uh, there is hope, and hope has a name. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And so, again, as Christians, we believe the Bible tells us a real story. Uh, it, it relays to thing to us uh, things the way they really are. And so there are other worldviews that have uh, bits and pieces of, of truth, uh, but we would argue that a, a biblical worldview is the only comprehensively true story, uh, which is why, as Christians, we need to be deeply rooted in that story if we're going to think rightly about the world that we find ourselves in. I totally understand, and what comes to mind, and y'all may laugh at me, is imagine if pilots were making up their own rules. Mm -hmm. So I fly the Boeing 777. Uh, The Boeing Corporation has given us a flight manual, and it says to operate their airplane this way. And then the airline that I fly for has produced a flight manual and says to operate their airplane this way. And what I would ask all of you is, do you want to be on an airplane where the pilot's making up his own rules? Categorically, no. <laughs> and the answer is categorically no. And yet, although right. we see things in the world so sideways so much right. of the time, a lot of us are making up our own rules. Mm-hmm. And a loving father has given us the flight manual. He has given us his instructions. Amen. And we can't see over the horizon, but he can. And so our job is to follow faithfully, and all will go well with us. Stay with us, friends. We'll be back after this break. That is not my own. I confess all this stress is now caused me to suspect, and I want to change. God's Word says that he loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that part of Scripture often quoted when it comes to tithing. Friends, we'd like you to consider your cheerful giving to God through Courageous Christianity. With your tax-deductible donation, you will be helping us achieve our mission to equip Christian men for the spiritual battlefield in order to glorify God and create godly change. No amount is too small. You can make a donation by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. Or visit CourageousChristianity.today. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of host Richard Mendelow's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will equip you in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate and find more information about the Courageous Christianity ministry, links to all the aired shows, a blog for Christian warriors, and an opportunity to submit prayer requests at CourageousChristianity.today. Please donate and be a part of sustaining our efforts in serving our Heavenly Father by serving His warriors on the spiritual battlefield. Please text to donate at 281-800-4940 or visit CourageousChristianity.today. God bless you. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. We're speaking with David Clawson from the Family Research Council in Washington, D.C. And he happens to be at his church as we speak, a couple blocks behind the Supreme Court. Lots of white granite there. And 
a sense of weight and import and certainly talking about the Bible and biblical worldview as it pertains to family as we prepare to send our children back to school. And we want to prepare them, and we want them uh, armed, and we want them to be able to come home and have conversations at the dinner table where we ask them about their day, and when they tell us things, we can have discussions asking, where is Jesus in all of this? And we can't do any of those things if we're each on our own sheet of music. And so before we went to break, we were talking with David about how few people are actually reading the Bible and how many people just have a worldview uh, of their own making. And uh, what I've said before on the show is even a cheap piece of furniture from Target comes with manufacturer's instructions. And if you try and assemble it without looking at the instructions, you're going to have pieces left over. There'll be those little screws there, and you'll have a wobbly bookshelf and will be no good for it. Such a true statement. (laughs) And, And so I can't imagine going through this life trying to navigate uh, through this difficult world and make up my own rules. There is just such simplicity in trying to follow the Bible as best you can. It's not easy, but as Christy likes to say, it's simple. It is, and I imagine my life before, and I imagine my life now before I came to Christ, and now it's so much easier, I mean, to follow because I have that rule book, but if you look at the past, (laughs) you can see how difficult it was. So, David, you mentioned that uh, people tend to formulate uh, their own perspective on things. Can you help us with that a little more? Yeah, the technical term for that would be uh, syncretism, uh, actually. Um, And 88% of Americans, according to the studies that George Barna has done uh, for Family Research Council and for Arizona Christian University, uh, show that 88% of Americans have a synchronistic worldview, meaning they kind of pick and choose what they want to believe. Just kind of imagine a cafeteria. Uh, you know, you get a little bit of this, maybe a little bit of this, avoid the vegetables, extra dessert. <laughs> you know, you kind of just pick and choose uh, what you want your meal to be. And that's how a lot of, uh, again, the vast majority of our friends and neighbors uh, approach worldview. Maybe a little bit of biblical theism, a little bit of Eastern mysticism, a little bit of pantheism, a little bit of atheism, naturalism. And that's their worldview now. Of course, it's internally contradictory. Uh, it's internally inconsistent. Uh, but most Americans are unbothered by that because they don't even realize that. And so, again, 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. 88% though have a synchronistic worldview. And so that's kind of the tide that we're swimming in, so to speak, that the vast majority of our friends and neighbors uh, approach life in a really uh, contradictory, inconsistent way. Sounds uh, painful. And what's interesting to me is a lot of people that I run into will say, I don't understand this, and why is this happening, and why is this the case? And then if you ask them about their worldview, they talk about how, well, I I believe a little bit of that, and I, I kind of think that this is the and then there's this. And you say to them, okay, do you not see you have all these questions that are unanswered, you have all this confusion, and you're making it up as you go along? Well, big surprise. That's why you got the confusion. I think it's always 
interesting when people say, well, I, I don't believe that in the Bible. Like, I believe this, but I don't believe that. And it's like, it just kind of stops me in my track. I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. Exactly. I love the flight manual. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, we are rule followers. <laughs> yeah, but I love, I love learning about the airplane. And I like knowing that this is how it's going to act if you do this. Yeah. And I love the same about the Bible. That, yeah. I, that I can go to it and hear the words of a loving father. What father, if his child asked for bread, would give him a stone? So our father in heaven has, has given us this. Yeah. And so we shouldn't walk around in confusion. And yet, oftentimes, we choose to. And I think one of the biggest areas of confusion is the most recent uh, attack on probably the most elemental right. uh, truth in the Bible— which is that we're created in the image of God as male and female. Yeah, pretty clear. And David, I've picked up your book, and I'm looking at it, friends. It's called Male and Female, He Created Them. And it's authored by David and two of his colleagues, Denny Burke and Colin Smothers. And David, what, uh, what can you tell us? How did this book come into being? Yeah, such a good question. So Denny and Colin actually work at the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, uh, which is a ministry based in Louisville, Kentucky. I know them from my time in Louisville, Kentucky uh, at Southern Seminary. And uh, so kind of their 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 main focus is uh, the family and manhood, womanhood, uh, the roles in the home, roles of the church, uh, whereas Family Research Council, you know, we're a little bit more political, and we uh, a broader uh, kind of swath of issues, so to speak. But wherever uh, those guys, and again, we're friends, would travel and give lectures and talks at churches really around the country, uh, the questions that people, you know, kind of when you speak somewhere, people afterwards, there's like a little line of people, people want to talk to you. Uh, the questions related to gender and sexuality, no matter what they were talking about, and the same was true for me. I've been able to travel a lot for FRC around the country, uh, for pastors' conferences, even a little bit overseas. And wherever I went, it was kind of the same uh, deal, which is wherever I went, uh, people wanted to ask questions about sexuality and gender. And so the three of us just kind of got together and said, wow, um, we need to do something about that. Now, praise God, there are a lot of good book link treatments on these issues. But what we realized, there wasn't really like a workbook that you could go through with your church, your small group. And so Male and Female, he created them as an eight-week study uh, on all of these issues. And anyone could profit from it, just kind of going through it by yourself. But it's actually designed to kind of for your small group or your Bible study to use it. Uh, there's uh, videos that go along with it featuring uh, folks like Albert Moeller, Rosaria Butterfield. And uh, again, there's a leader guide that's in there as well. And so that's kind of the hope behind it is to – let's admit, these are complicated issues. These are uh, deeply personal issues. And uh, for issues like this, it's really good to think in community, uh, to think well with other believers uh, as we think about these issues. So that's kind of the hope behind the book and how it came to be. Um, well, that's fantastic, and thank you for uh, walking into that area of the spiritual battlefield and being willing to dig in and fight for us. You said that these are complicated issues. What do you mean by that exactly? Because to me, it seems incredibly simple. So I must, well, I don't understand. That's right. 
Um, in one sense, absolutely, they they are incredibly simple. And you know, for millennia of human experience, uh, we've understood these issues, uh, whether it's the definition of marriage or whether it's issues related to being male or female. Uh, they're complicated uh, in a sense because of where our culture is on these issues. Um, issues that were unthinkable just a couple of years ago have burst on the scene. I often call it a moral revolution. Um, obviously, people are aware of you know the sexual revolution in the 1960s with uh, the loosening of kind of sexual mores and laws, the introduction of technologies like the pill and contraceptives, uh, the loosening of certain laws such as no-fault no divorce laws, read that obviously the rise of kind of what was then known as the homosexual rights movement, now the gay rights movement, um, and then the, cha- the the big push in the middle of the last decade to overturn uh, the the definition of marriage in our law. Um, but, you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, when we were fighting that battle for marriage in the lead up to the Obergefell decision in 2015, you know, the, the idea of uh, transgenderism, that men should be able to compete against women if, just because they identify as men, or that we should be ha- allowed to do surgeries uh, with puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones on minor children, this was on no one's radar. And so it seems like the moral revolution has picked up a velocity uh, that is just something we didn't see coming. So I think, Richard, what I'm referring to, these issues have come out of nowhere for many people. And so a lot of uh, kind, uh, well-meaning uh, folks who go to church uh, have been caught off guard and are, are not sure actually how to respond to the velocity of the moral revolution in the, the context that we find ourselves in. Are you saying moral revolution? Yeah, the, the, oh, I, I call it a, a revolution in morality. Uh, what was understood as right and wrong, uh, up and down, has seemingly been uh, that we understood for, again, millennia of human civilization. It seems that that's been overturned or upended. And so I think it is fair to call this kind of a a moral revolution for what we're witnessing right now. That is a great expression. And something else that I thought was uh, a great explanation is to use the word velocity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you imagine the degree to which we are bombarded on a daily basis by issues, real issues in some cases, and made-up issues in other cases, all destabilizing to us as grown-ups. Imagine how much more so to our children. And the whole point of all of these issues is to destabilize us. When we stopped praying in schools in 1962, that was an effort to destabilize children, to disconnect them from the traditions and values of their parents, to make them more susceptible to manipulation and misleading. And that's what we're dealing with. So friends, stay with us. We're going to dig into the strategy and tactics of the enemy in this discussion. We'll be right back. Of the plans that you They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now, our veterans need your help. Hi friends, I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mindelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. 
Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelow has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She is the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. And that voice, that uh, gravelly, amazing voice, singing Amazing Grace, is Dave Bray, USA. And he has graciously allowed us to use his music and every time I hear that voice, it just resonates so much with me. Mm-hmm. We are talking with David Clausen, and David and two colleagues have written a book, Male and Female. He created them, and their goal with this book was to provide a Bible study that would help us navigate the enemy's latest campaign to undermine the Word of God, to undermine uh, the simplicity of our lives on this uh, spiritual battlefield. They want to destabilize us. They want to make words mean different things. And it's all to stop us from being able to do our mission, in my opinion. And so we're talking with David Clausen about that. And I wanted to pass it to Christy as we come back in. Yeah, so just thinking about um, everything we're talking about here, and and David, uh, you had mentioned a, a revolution of mortal—not mortality, morality, but that's a, a little different there, morality, and the velocity that it has taken on. I'm just wondering, um, why? Why do you think that's happening? Yeah, I think that's such a good question, Christine. I think um, this is where having that biblical worldview helps us approach uh, a question like this kind of on a, a deeper level. Uh, just last week I spoke uh, to a group of uh, college students at a secular university, 
that had uh, one of them afterwards told me he identified as an atheist, and he had never talked to someone who actually believed in the Bible, um, and uh, which was really interesting. Another girl who identified as queer came up to me and told me she'd never found someone who actually believed the things that I told her that Christians have believed for 2,000 years. And I think that's why, again, as a Christian with a biblical worldview, we can get to the bigger questions such as why, and why ultimately uh, a lot of these uh, assaults are happening on the church and on the family. If you think about the issues we're dealing with, the issues we just talked about, issues related to family, issues related to the definition of marriage and sexuality, uh, who are the only holdouts um, is when we think of institutions. Well, it's the, the family and the church. And I think that's why the enemy right now is coming at the church and he's coming at the family with everything he has. Uh, this goes back, I believe, to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, where Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he reminds them that ultimately uh, their battle was not against flesh and blood, um, but against uh, spiritual forces, uh, the principalities, uh, demons, and ultimately Satan. I, I think a lot of the issues that we're dealing with, Christy, could go back to an undermining of God, of the Word of God, a lot of the questions that we're asking right now really sound a lot like what the uh, serpent asked uh, Eve in the Garden of Eden, if you think Mm, about it. Uh, Did God really say, uh, you know, did God really say this is what marriage is? Did God really say uh, that there's male and female? And so I think that is part of what's underneath all of what we're seeing right now that's seeking to undermine uh, the very foundations of society. Mm. Well, I've talked about it before. Friends, if you want to go back, uh, we have done some shows on information operations. Information operations is a line of operation which the enemy uses 24-7, 365. It's digital. It's virtual. It's the newspaper. It's what people are talking about And uh, as I was saying to somebody yesterday, I may not be able to get you to believe what I want you to believe, but I can at least get you to question what you believe. Mm. And there Mm. is one single defense against information operations, and that is the Word of God. If you think about it, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent comes up to Eve and he says, did God really say not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And Eve, who was not around when God told Adam that scripture, only would have known what was right had Adam told her. So this was a failure on Adam's part to educate Eve about the Word of God. And so if 88% of us aren't reading the Word of God, then 88% of us do not know we are not equipped And our families will suffer in this environment of sustained information operations. Does that make sense, David? It does make sense, and that's why we need to go back to God's Word. Uh, Paul, 2 Timothy 3.16, he he says, you know, all Scripture is breathed out by God and and profitable for teaching, for uh, rebuking, for for training the righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for all good works. And that's why, again, on these very uh, sensitive issues that our friends and neighbors are dealing with, uh, there will be people, I guarantee it, that are listening to this podcast uh, who, when they go back to school, uh, are going to encounter people that will tell them, well, you as a Christian really actually don't understand 
Uh, your scriptures probably don't actually talk about homosexuality or marriage. And, and again, that's why we need to know. We, we, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, guys, uh, that the Bible doesn't directly address, and that we need, to, we need wisdom and we need to think about you know, some broader principles. But for, there, for some issues, there's a thus saith the Lord. Um, on the issue of marriage, we have Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. We have Ephesians 5 that tells us what God believes about marriage. On the issue of homosexuality, we have 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Timothy 1, 2, uh, Genesis 19. Uh, we have actual chapter and verse that we can point to. So we don't have to guess God's opinion on some of these questions. We know because he's clearly revealed it to us in his word. Hmm. I think... There's two things that are important to say. Uh, As you said, David, those are critically important that there is Scripture on this, and the Bible tells us that uh, the Word of God is as sharp as any two-edged sword. And keep in mind, a two-edged sword cuts both ways. And so reading a sentence from David's book, it says... As those filled with God's Spirit, followers of Jesus should be marked by their joy, patience, kindness, and gentleness, not anger, vitriol, or lack of compassion. And so as we quote these passages from the Bible, it's not to uh, be able to backhand everybody. It's not to be able to spit the Word of God in people's faces. Because there's another verse in the Bible that says, my name is blasphemed among pagans because of you. And so ours is a challenging walk to be loving, to love our enemies, to love those who don't know. If you think of the last sentence of the book of Jonah in Nineveh, when Jonah's complaining because God was forgiving and God said, these people don't know their left hand from their right. And so, friends, one thing I always want to point out in all of these conversations is it's not to spit in people's faces, literally or figuratively, the Word of God. They don't know their left hand from their right, and truth be told, according to what David said, 88% of us don't either. And so it's for us to open this book and to read the Word given to us by a loving Father and then to say, I may not be able to do all the good the world needs, but I can do some good. And it begins with me knowing what God says is right and doing that. What comes to mind is, you know, when you're, um, say you're in battle, not that I've been in battle, but you aren't armed, right? You're not protective. You're going to come from a defensive place. And so when we are armed in the truth with, we, we have confidence and what we're speaking to. And I think out of that can come the kindness and because we're confident in the truth. And so then the question is, is how are we going to communicate that? But I think that's another reason that we would want to be armed in the truth of God, in the word, because it does, as we do here at Courageous Christianity, is equip warriors for battle. Okay, so we're talking about... And, and, and I'm addressing that very important point. We're talking about back to school. God bless you, Corey. Uh, that's the first time, second time our producer has sneezed uh, on this show. That's awesome. Real, real faith, real world. Amen. God bless you. Um, 
Our children are going to come home from school. They're going to have dealt with these issues. They're going to say, Dad, why is this? Mom, why is this? And we cannot just guess at it. We can't say some things. We've been lied to about so much for so long. We don't know. So we've got to get back to the Bible. And and in talking about how we comport ourselves at the intersection of our faith and the secular world, David, what would you say is so important for us to know there? Absolutely. The question of uh, how we deal with the outside world, those outside the Church, those who don't have a biblical worldview, uh, the verse that I always give anybody uh, is uh, Ephesians 4, chapter verse 15, uh, 415, uh, the idea that we speak the truth in love. And I think a lot of people know that verse, um, but they think, uh, you know, maybe I'm going to lean more on the truth side today, or I'm going to lean more on the loving and accommodating side today. Um, but there's the, the truth and love, they're, they're two sides of the same coin, so to speak. And uh, we engage with full-throated truth from God's Word. And of course we engage in a, uh, a spirit of kindness and grace, uh, because we're Christians after all. And I think that that's one verse that guides my engagement on these issues. Because uh, sure, they're political issues, but first and foremost, these are moral and theological issues. So that, that's one verse I would throw out there is Ephesians 4, verse 15. Okay, that's a good one. Friends, There's a big difference between nice and kind. The world wants us to be nice, which is great because it wants to perpetrate all kinds of buffoonery. But Christians are called to be kind, and that means speaking the truth in love so as to preclude a lot of the struggle and hardship and pain. Stay with us. We'll be back for the final segment. Recently, Ryan Reed was a guest on Courageous Christianity, and we want you to know more about his jiu-jitsu gym. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is a place where you'll find good people and great jiu-jitsu. Whether you are training to learn self-defense, to get in shape, looking for a new hobby, or want to compete, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Huntsville, Texas has something for you. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com to learn more and to get your two-week free trial. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com. Huntsville.com today. Did you know that about 25 million Christians don't vote consistently? That's about one in three Christians, and that's a staggering and unfortunate amount. Many Christians stay home on Election Day because they think their vote won't really make a difference. But what if 90 million Christians stood united for Christ? We could have a real influence on our nation. God's Word clearly calls us to bring the influence of our faith into every aspect of our lives. We here at Courageous Christianity, along with My Faith Votes, want to see Christians boldly standing united for Christ. My Faith Votes is a nonpartisan organization that mobilizes and equips believers to pray unceasingly, think biblically, and vote in every election. Even though the recent elections have passed, now is the time to join with us and My Faith Votes to pray, think, and vote in all future elections. Go to MyFaithVotes.org to learn more about voting your faith and to stand united for Christ. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and our new producer, Corey, is doing a fabulous job of choosing music. 
You may have remembered Mike from before. Mike retired, and we miss him terribly, but we're thoroughly enjoying Corey, and he is bringing light and energy to the studio. And a very sweet smile. Uh, He's awesome. (laughs) And we are talking about, um, really, we're talking about the gender issue, but more than that, we're talking about back to school. We're talking about parents equipping children for these conversations that they're more than likely going to have. And we are talking to the director uh, at uh, the Family Research Council in um, D.C. And let me say it all exactly correct. Uh, At the Family Research Council, our guest is the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview, And the crazier the world gets, the more important it is for us to look at it with a biblical worldview. So, David, as we wrap up the show today, thinking about parents having meaningful conversations with children and really having to dig into some of these difficult issues, what are some things that you think would help? Yeah, absolutely, and really appreciate the opportunity to come on the show today. Uh, These are really important issues, especially at this time of year. Um, One issue that I know is going to be coming up more and more uh, as kids go to school is the the transgender issue. Specifically, I think it will be manifested maybe in high school situations with uh, the sports issue, Uh, biological uh, boys who identify as female wanting to compete in athletics. Uh, on a real practical issue that I think is going to affect all age levels is the issue of a preferred pronoun. And if you're not up to date on the, the latest kind of controversy that the left has brought, uh, you know, this idea of gender identity, uh, that I can uh, identify with a gender different from my biological sex. That's kind of the whole concept of gender identity. And along with that goes with this idea of preferred pronouns, uh, that I kind of insist that you refer to me uh, with pronouns that don't match my biological sex. And I think for Christians, we deal with this in the book. We try to give some practical guidance and advice on this. Uh, real practically, uh, I don't think that Christians can be faithful and use preferred pronouns, uh, but I also think that there's a different level of accountability depending on the relationship. Uh, and what I mean by that is if my brother came to me and, you know, wanted me to use female pronouns, I couldn't do that, and I would immediately tell him why I couldn't do that. Um, if the relationship's a little bit more distant, uh, maybe a colleague, maybe a classmate, uh, I, my advice in that situation, Richard, is to just try not to use uh, use maybe a given name rather than a pronoun. Because a pronoun refers to anatomy, a pronoun refers to biology, and we can't be telling lies uh, about that issue. Uh, so those, I know we don't have a ton of time to unpack that too much, but th- those are some real practical issues uh, that I think Christians, uh, parents especially, when their kids come back from school, maybe that first or second week, asking specific questions related to pronouns, uh, that's an area where the speaking truth and love also applies. Okay, so we're saying there a good thing to do is just use the person's name. and I, I, I think so, Richard, just because you know, names are not gendered. Well, they used to be. But... The pronouns are when they refer to biology and anatomy. So that's a real practical tip that I think can help Christians navigate that. Okay. I think that is a practical tip. What's another one? I think, well, uh, another one with um, just, again, speaking the truth in love. 
Um, I, I know that uh, a lot of these issues, Richard, are uh, difficult to navigate. They can, they, it can be kind of jarring uh, when a kid comes to school and maybe a friend or a classmate all of a sudden says they identify as a different sex or they want to be referred to in a different way. And I think a practical thing to do is just to actually start having conversations with your children about these topics. Um, you know, I think of the proverbial ostrich with his head in the sand. You know, let's not deal with these issues until they actually come up. Well, increasingly they're coming up. Even if you live in a real rural part of the country, uh, these issues are being brought up. And so I think real practically, maybe even before school begins, uh, just sitting down with your son or your daughter and kind of role-playing the conversation, so to speak. Like, let's let's prepare for what you might see in your, your classroom, what you might see uh, in the culture, or uh, taking advantage of opportunities. Uh, if you're out and about and you see like a pride flag or a transgender flag, using those as teaching opportunities to point out what the flag means or what, what you see, you know, maybe a corporation has some sign up, and using that to point your kid back uh, to what God's Word actually says. So again, another couple quick practical things that I think uh, parents can do, especially with their children. Excellent. Uh, David, how do our listeners find the Family Research Council and some of the writing on this and then also your book? Absolutely. Kind of a one-stop place to go for everything would be frc.org forward slash worldview. Uh, you can see my booklets uh, that are available for free. Uh, in kind of PDF form on all these on issues related to sexuality, life, politics, worldview. And then uh, there's also a link on there to the, the, the book we've just been talking about, Male and Female, He Created Them. Uh, you can also go to hecreatedthem.org. And actually those videos I told you about, you can watch them for free um, that go along with the booklet, hecreatedthem.org. Uh, so hecreatedthem.org and then frc.org forward slash worldview. Outstanding, friends. You heard it. David, thank you. Uh, that's very helpful. And that brings us to our moment of truth. As you know, in every show we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. And today our moment of truth comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, please be assured that when we cling to the Word of God and to His desire that we walk out our faith with strength and compassion, all things can be made to work for good. Certainly the devil has no rules. He can throw whatever he wants at us, regardless of how perverse or cruel it is. At the same time, we can use everything he throws at us to make us stronger. As I see it, Every work of the devil can be used for good, and that includes the current attack on one of God's most basic truths that he created us, male and female. Whatever the devil brings against Christians and whomever is used and abused in the attack, it can be made to immerse us in the truth of God's word. It can be made to strengthen our children. It can be made to unify us. It can be made to fill us with compassion and it can be made to awaken us from our spiritual stupor that Tozer talked about. And here's how we do it. If in any question our first response is to search the Bible for God's guidance, then any attack promotes the learning of God's Word. 
If in any struggle we gather our family together to teach the plain truth of that word, then any attack educates and prepares our children. If in any diversity the families that make up the body of Christ come together, then any attack strengthens the church. If in any confrontation we remind ourselves that we're all God's children, that we've all been misled, and that we're all sinners, then any attack promotes compassion. God works together for good. All he requires is that we wake up, that we exercise spiritual discipline, and that we stand firm in faith. And that's what works. What does not work is to fill the world with more opinions which have no basis in Scripture. What does not work is to teach those uninformed opinions to our children. And what does not work is to be hateful. If you can't follow these rules of engagement in every conversation, then please walk away. It's better to fight another day than to become part of the problem. Don't let the devil draw you into a no-win conversation. The book of Genesis tells the story of Joseph, Jacob's youngest son who was sold into slavery by his brothers. After years of struggle by his faithful and hard work, he rose to a position of prominence in Egypt. In that position, he was able to prepare Egypt for famine. Through Joseph, God worked his purpose on earth. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says to his brothers, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Friends, by faith in Jesus Christ, by submitting to him in word and deed, in accordance with the truth of the Bible, whatever the devil throws at us, we can use it for good. And that good will save many. And that's courageous Christianity. So what I hope you hear from this as we're sending our kids back to school is first and foremost that we're with you. Parents that are, that are on that difficult terrain, we're with you. And what's required of us in this situation as we come together as a community is to read the Bible, to come from a place of truth, to not add more fuel to the fire. David told us some incredible points. He said that in that study, 51% of people said they had a biblical worldview, but when questioned, only 6% did. He said the primary problem is biblical illiteracy. And I wouldn't take that as a as a, an insult, I'd take it as an opportunity. And in that opportunity, 88% of us, 88% of Americans who believe in synchronicity, if I'm saying that correctly, could bring themselves into alignment with the Word of God, and that would do away with a lot of the nonsense. So, David, thank you so much for helping us to understand a little better, for writing that book that we can all get to, male and female. He created them and for your work at the Family Research Council. Friends, thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT The Word, in Houston, Texas, at kkht.com, on your favorite podcast app, or on courageouschristianity.today, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and semper fi.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.